Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. They just said masks, masks, lockdowns are the only things that work. And now the science clearly states that neither of those were true. They were lies. And we knew that from the beginning, but this, the science now is like the data is very clear uh, that lockdowns did not stop the spread of COVID and masks did not stop the spread of COVID. Well, hello, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. You know who says that, hello, it's that, that new bachelor on the, the bachelor, the bachelor show. Yeah, Zach. Well, hello. He always says he's a nice guy. Uh, you know, sometimes just unwind a little, I have to admit. Okay. I, I'm not perfect. I do watch the bachelor once in a while. I'm, I don't even really want to admit it, but because I already said the hello thing, I guess it's out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, looks like a nice guy. Um, seems like he's got a good um, head on his shoulders. But did you see the promo for next week? He's like got all these tears and, you know, he's screwed up in some way, right? So it's all going to come tumbling down. Anyways, um, I watched The Bachelor, of course, uh, you know, while um, preparing for the next day for the show or studying the word. Uh, okay, so uh, my dad's Bible, I love to read from it ever since uh, he's left this earth and he's in heaven. Um, I like knowing what he thought was important in his Bible, which is underlined from one end to the other. So today I opened it up, and here we are, and it says in Hebrews 10, uh, verses 30, it says, And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's what keeps me on the straight and narrow, because I don't want to be on God's bad side. So I try to do the right thing. And, you know, he lets me get away with um, watching The Bachelor. Okay, so Christine Anderson flew into town, and she, th she flew into this country uh, doing this amazing series of talks. What would Christine Anderson do? Well, if you've been watching the news today, there's a little bit of controversy. And all I just want to say from the beginning is we knew that the Liberal Party and the Conservatives are pretty much the same party. Just want you to keep that thought in mind as we listen to Christine Anderson and Max Bernier have a conversation. Fascinating. The Canadian people, they are so fantastic. They are so phenomenal. And uh, I really have to say, once I saw the Freedom Convoy taking off and doing all of that, I was like, yes, thank God, finally someone <laughs> is doing something. And that's what the world needed. That's what millions of people around the world needed. And I will be eternally grateful to the, the Freedom Truckers uh, because you guys did it all. I just resonated what you guys did. Ah, we love her. We love her. Christine Anderson was standing up for us when guess who wasn't? Nobody in, uh, in Parliament. No, nobody was standing up for us. Nope. It was, it was Christine Anderson across the world in Germany calling out that prime minister in Canada and saying, what are you doing? And it was silence from the Conservative Party. Silence on our behalf. Not standing up for us. No, no, no. Saying a few little words here and there. Oh, they have a right to protest, blah, blah, blah. Not coming out to be with the people. Not at all. Not really standing against the prime minister. It's just a shocking thing. So, um... 
the the Toronto Sun today has an article, and it's written by, of all people, oh my word, a horrible name, Warren Kinsella. You remember this guy? He slandered Maxime Bernier. He 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 was heard on a tape basically saying, you know, make his life you know, miserable. Like he, he was just all about taking out Maxine Bernie. I don't remember the exact words, but I've got them saved. And this man is a complete blazing nightmare, right? Hates all things freedom. Well, who's turned out to be the best freedom fighter, politician, head of a party in this country? Maxine Bernier. And of course, I always pay my deference as well to the Christian Heritage Party, uh, to uh, my dear friend who lets me know when I forget to mention when I forget to mention him. Okay, um, so so here, what, what do we have? Uh, we've got three conservative members of parliament who were visible in a picture. Do we have that picture? Is that on the site there? It's uh, not, if you scroll down, let me see. Because um, I know it's on the CTV one. Do you have the CTV one? Yeah, number four. Let's go to that. Oh, I th- yeah, there it is. You can, can't really make that bigger. Or, oh, there it is. Yeah. So Christine Anderson <clears throat> is seen with three members of the Conservative Party of Canada, three members who've been voted in who went, wow, here's this lady. Here's a woman who was going against the party that they are also against. She was going against the prime minister. But today, in a shocking twist, Pierre Polyev has forced these three members of parliament to basically stand down, apologize, and they're calling uh, Christine Anderson a far-right Nazi sympathizer, whatever, and that she's not. I heard her speak totally against the Nazis. So why would they get this kind of of nonsense going. So we have another uh, CTV one, right? Oh, you, Brian Lilly's tweet. Let's do that one, Pierre. P- this is what Pierre Polyev has said regarding Christine Anderson. Take a look. Oh, okay. Well, I can't see it. Okay, now I can. Christine Anderson's views are vile and have no place in our politics. The MPs were not aware of this visiting member of the European Parliament's opinions, and they regret meeting with her. Frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here. So this is a tweet, to be very clear, from the conservative leader, Pierre Polyev. This is what Pierre has said. This is not what Justin Trudeau is saying. No, no, no. Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev, they're on the same team about this. Wow. Yet another sign. We've been pointing that out for years, right? So I think it's all coming down to her racist views. So when I did a live conference with Christine Anderson, one of the things she said is the huge issue they have with immigration and the raping of their women and and young girls in Germany. Um, If that's a problem, why can't she talk about it? And how is that racist? 
How is that racist to talk about the fact that there is a huge number of people that are being attacked and assaulted? And I'm sure those women are of all colors. But this is well known. I know we've covered it before in this show that nobody wants to talk about it in mainstream media, but it's a problem. There's foreigners coming into Germany and they're raping the women and the young girls. That is what Christine, she said it's happening every single day. Does she not have a right to say that? Does that make her racist? I don't think so. I don't think so. The protection of women, I thought that was something that we were all kind of into. You know, I I thought that was something that we would all defend. So I just want to read a little bit from, can I now read from this CTV article, JT? Because JT's kind of taken over in what order I should be doing things. So I do have a share on it if you want me to. Um, Pierre Polyev denounces the conservative MPs meeting with far-right German politician. And guess what the sadness of this is? The sadness of this is, is that the leader of the conservative party, he says, yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. Prime Minister. Yes, sir, we denounce, oh, yes, this, this woke racism that is going on. Yes, we denounce that. You don't stand up for somebody who is defending the borders of their country. Aren't you asking for the borders a a little bit to be shut? I mean, a little bit late. You've all let so many people into this country illegally. Same as the United States of America. Crimes going up everywhere. So so Pierre Polyev denounces this. Um, Are we on yours or mine? Because I'm going to go down a bit. I'm going to read it. So it does say, conservative leader Pierre Polyev is denouncing a far-right German politician after three of his MPs met with her during her Canadian tour in support of the Freedom Convoy movement. Christine Anderson, a European Parliament member with the alternative for, is it Deutschland? Glad I said that right. Party concludes her four-stop tour of Canada with an event in Montreal on Friday. After speaking in Calgary, Toronto, and Whitby, Ontario, three Ontario Conservative MPs, Colin Carey, Dean Allison, and former leadership contender Leslin Lewis, stand up people if you ask me for meeting with someone like this, a a dignitary from a, a foreign land. What's wrong with that? Does it mean that you... Uh, absolutely agree with everything that they feel and think, or, or because they stood against your wicked and tyrannical prime minister, because this woman has stood against him, that you would meet with her and exchange niceties, that's a problem. That's, that, that should be a problem to, to the prime minister, and, and we're going to show you that he does think it's a problem. But it shouldn't be a problem to the opposition the opposition. Wasn't it Stephen Harper that started talking about the problem that we had with um, Islamic radicals and with immigration? It's always about the radicals. It's not about people, my my good friend, um, Salim Mansour, right? Who was kicked out of the Conservative Party of Canada because he just couldn't uphold some of the, the... you know, Islamic ideology that he doesn't believe in. 
So Salim Mansour gets kicked out of the Conservative Party. I want you all to understand something. I've been on a kick for about three years, and I know that it's a, an honest an honest belief in my heart. I, I come to you with integrity, with my true spirit, that the real leader of this country should be Maxime Bernier. He's been right on every one of these issues. And now we have Pierre Polyev forcing someone like Leslie Lewis O oh, to have to apologize. I mean, it's sad. She's in a real bind. I know, I know probably what she's going through. I mean, she's, she's been told to stand down or else, hasn't she? Right? Have, haven't the three of these guys, Colin Carey, Dean Allison, they've been told to stand down or, you know what, I'm not going to be signing your certificate to, to be able to run in the next election. That's what's happened. And even more shocking that Pierre Polyev wouldn't just back down and actually stand up to the prime minister. But oh no, why? Why? Why is Pierre Polyev suddenly liberal light and in broad view of everybody? Why? Why can he not stand up to this? As a woman comes from another country and says that, that women, females, teens and up, are being assaulted. And it's happening every single day, largely to do with having opened the borders to people that have come in from another land. And that's racist. Wow, Pierre, you care about women? Do you even know what a woman is? Let's, let's face that. If you ask Pierre Piala, Polyeva, who, you know, what is a woman? Matt Walsh might ask him. Pierre can't answer that. Ask him. He can't answer that. Do you know who can answer that question? Very clearly will be Maxime Bernier. So Pierre Polyev has now told them to stand down. I've read this entire article. I don't think I'll go through it all. Um, Basically, Pierre's basically saying, I think this is his, but we're deeply concerned by CPC, or who says this? The advocacy group said in a Twitter post. Okay, some, the, some advocacy, advocacy group. We're deeply concerned by CPC MPs, Leslin Lewis, Dean Allison, Colin Carey, meeting with Anderson, um, you know, Christine, a member of the far-right German AFD party known as Isla, Islamophobic and anti-immigrant. Oh, where have we heard that before? You know who's called Islamophobic? Anyone who says we don't appreciate that uh, some ideologies that do not respect women, that sometimes hold views contrary to Canadian belief systems, Sharia law and whatnot, that we don't support that in Canada. We want Canada protected as a free nation. Now, that's not against all Muslims because I have Ismaili friends that want nothing to do with the, the radicals. I have Salim Mansour who wants nothing to do with that. And one godless woman, I'm sure many of you have heard of her and her stand, her difficulty in being a woman, how she was treated and has left that religion and being in a foreign land to come here for freedom. Those people understand all of that. Let's face it. There's radicals in every religion. There's radicals in, in every belief system. What we do want to do is have a cohesivity 
where we can all get along and we can live. Is that not a word? Okay, but I, cohesion. All right. He's shaking his head. <laughs> okay. We want a cohesion. We all get along. We live in beautiful Canada. We love our freedom. And we don't support women being raped by immigrants or anybody or anybody. But here's what's happened. The statistics are all there. Christine Anderson did speak openly about that. Does she, does that make her someone that needs to be removed? And she is definitely not a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer. She talks about the dark history of Germany. So I'm reading through all of this. Polyev said his MPs were unaware of her. Get this. This is Polyev's words. Vile views and said they regret meeting with her. Really? No, Mr. Polyev. You've come into a conflict with some of your supporters. Some of the money that comes into the Conservative Party of Canada, and you have sided with the Prime Minister, the tyrannical, disgusting Prime Minister of our country. That's what you've done. You've done it on this very day and gone against three of your most, let me say it, upstanding MPs who support freedom, who spoke out for us, unlike you, sir. And now you've forced them to apologize, oh, because of her vile views. Frankly, it would be better, Mr. Polyev says this, to all of you thousands of people across the country that came out to support this great woman who spoke against our prime minister so courageously because she gets it. This is what Pierre Polyev said the guy you think you have to put into power. You think you have to vote for him in the next election to get rid of Trudeau. Well, he thinks that her views are vile. I have yet to find out what, what that is, what, what those views that are vile might be. Frankly, says Polyev, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist, hateful views are not welcome here, he said in a written statement. Hmm. So do we have that uh, video of Trudeau? Well, let's look at Polyev's right-hand guy in this one. He stands alongside and agrees with the prime minister. Shame. Hi, Megan McLeister, CBC News. Um, Prime Minister, what do you make of the three Conservative MPs, including a member of Shadow Cabinet, who met with a member of the far-right German AFD party? I think the Conservative Party of Canada owes some explanations to Canadians. We've seen consistently a pattern from Conservative politicians whether it's uh, attaching a misogynistic YouTube tag uh, to reach out to uh, anti-women groups online through YouTube videos, the answer is, oh, we didn't know about it. There's nothing to see here. A conservative leader meets with a known far-right extremist. Oh, we didn't know who it was. Consistently, we see conservative parliamentarians and people who should know better associating themselves with folks responsible for a particularly 
vile level of rhetoric and hatred? And their answer is all the same. Oh, we didn't know. At one point, Canadians you know, need to stop being treated like fools, and the Conservatives need to own up and either really dissociate themselves from hateful, vile, intolerant rhetoric, or tell the truth and explain that they actually have room for those rhetorics and that intolerance within their party. Wow. So what is CTV, who has aired the Prime Minister's uh, little clip here, great acting, oh, I mean, let me put on my indignant face. The Conservatives, all right? This is the guy who wore blackface so many times he doesn't know how many times it was, okay? This is the guy with scandals up his yin-yang that we can't get rid of. And who's bowing to him? Pierre Polyev. They're the same party. At the core of it, the same party, the same woke stuff. It's, it's the same, uh, you know, oh, anti-racist. Everything's racist. If you have an opinion on a different people and on what they're doing, it's all racist. Oh, but if you want to, you know, put down Christianity, apparently that's, that's just perfectly fine these days, right? They're, they're all going to be about the LGBTQ agenda. Pierre and Trudeau, same, same views, same views. You won't catch Pierre saying one thing against it. So what has this CTV article, okay, said that she has said? So alternative uh, Fuhr Deutschland has opposed immigration and decries what some of its members call the Islamization of Europe. Speaking in the European Parliament last year, Anderson said Islam was the cause of the denial of women's human rights in Afghanistan. It is. It is. I just did an interview on my Facebook a, a month and a half ago with a woman that was there, and she was, um, you know, people are being beheaded and killed because the young women do not want to wear the head covering. For goodness sakes, they're killing people over that. These are, this is a, a, not good. What kind of religion is so, you're killing people. Not respectful of the equal rights of women. Throwing LGBTQ off the roof. Killing LGBTQ people. That is not okay. So uh, apparently she speaks out about that. But guess what? Some of this faction she feels is coming to her country. So this is what Christine Anderson said. For God's sake, take a look around, she said, claiming women are repressed in all Muslim countries. She's right. This is what CTV has a problem with her saying, I'm sorry, CTV, do you not support women having freedom? Not, not wearing a headdress if they don't want to wear a headdress? Really, CTV? That's the stand? Oh, what if it's a guy who says he's a woman and doesn't want to wear the headdress? Then is it okay with you? Yeah. Oh, now, now we've like, wow, oh, let's really open this up. Well, no, because the transgender people would already be thrown off the roof in those countries. 
So call the devil by its name, she says, and stop using apologetic terms to downplay the true nature of the most despicable and horrific ideology women suffer from worldwide. Anderson made headlines in Canada last year uh, when Prime Minister Justin Trudeau spoke to the European Parliament. Mr. Trudeau, you are a disgrace for any democracy, she said in a response to the Parliament. Please spare us your presence. Amen. Good for you, Christine. Thank you. Because while you were standing up for us, we had the, the you know, mamby-pamby Conservative Party of Canada not standing for us. And you let a disaster happen to those who wanted to stand for freedom in a peaceful way, singing O Canada as basically because of your silence and, and inability to cooperate, you, you allowed Canadian citizens to be shot with rubber bullets and beanie bags in the face. You trampled over the, the, and you're all the, together. You and Mr. Trudeau, you are all the same, all the same. Shame. So, Anderson has been welcomed warmly in Canada by many associated with the Freedom Convoy protests that gridlocked Ottawa and border crossings last year. We're, we're at a place where if we don't uh, force, and then here's a, a picture with Christine Anderson, Tamara Leach, and uh, her lawyers, Heath Wilson, Eva Chipiuk. And at one event, Anderson arrived in a convoy of semi-tractor trailer trucks wearing a Freedom Fighters Canada sweatshirt. I'm proud. I'm proud of the Freedom Fighters. I know what they fought for. No one should be forced to have to get a shot that they don't want to get. My body, my choice. Absolutely disgusting. Do we have anything else on that? All right. We're going to go to our guests now. Okay. And I'm not done with this topic, and I am so proud of those who stand up for freedom in this country and call out what you need to call out. And for all of us who embrace nonviolence towards women, whether you're Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Sikh, everyone can get along. If we're not going to, you know, support um, the degradation of women, if, if we're going to keep our country civil, no kind of like trying to take over, then we're good. But Christine Anderson is from Germany, and she has a right to talk about what's happening there. And I'm pretty sure that we can get more information from her directly, and I hope that we'll be able to get her on the show. Unbelievable. Christine Anderson is a hero in our, on our globe. This is appalling. And even worse, we expected this from Trudeau, who was already dissed by her. And his little pious face today. But Pierre Polyev, you remember this moment, Canada. This is a telling moment where some of the curtains come away and you see whose side he's really on. Shame. All right. I would like to invite to the show uh, Patrick Phillips, and we've had him on before. He is someone who is a doctor in our country and has been fighting for freedom. Dr. Phillips, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me on, Laura Lynn. You Always bet. Thanks for waiting in the background. Um, I uh, I thank you for putting up with uh, you know some of that as you waited. Um, one of the things that we're all facing is that we have had an epic attack on our freedom. And you have been one of the top people to be affected by this. Uh, you were wanting to stand up uh, just for your bodily autonomy. And I think what we're going to do is, uh, you're just going to tell your story today and talk about a few things that, that are, is in our news. I'm going to let uh, YouTube and Facebook go. We head over right now to rumble.com. Uh, mm -hmm. And we're just going to talk about freedom in Canada. We're going to talk about, you know, what, what we've all been through and with somebody who's, who's paid a high price. And as we're all watching the unfolding of the truth in all these matters, um, it's going to be even more, I think, poignant and relevant in the time to come here that uh, some people were on the right side of history. So we'll say goodbye to YouTube. Please head over to rumble.com, the description of where you can go. You can click a link. It's all in the uh, chat line right there. So uh, Patrick Phillips, you uh, were practicing. And I remember, uh, you know, COVID started happening in 2020. And I think we may have had our first interview with you towards the end of 2020, or maybe it was 2021. Can you give us your experience as a doctor, just briefly encapsulate for anyone who's never seen you before, because every single day we have more people watching the show. Tell us what happened with you as COVID began to make its way into our news cycle. Yeah, uh, so I'm a young doctor. I'm, uh, I finished my family medicine residency at the University of Toronto in 2018. And after that, I was mostly working in northern Ontario communities of Nipigon and Englehart and eventually settled into Englehart. So it's a small community of uh, about 1,500 uh, in northeastern Ontario. And I was mostly working here in the emergency department. Um, uh, although a little earlier uh, in 2020, as the, the uh, virus was starting to roll through Canada and the world, um, I was working in both uh, both communities, and I was wasn't seeing much where I was living. Uh, I was seeing everything on TV, right? The bodies piling up in New York City and in northern Italy and in Wuhan, and I was scared, like most other doctors. So I wasn't one of the ones that caught on really early, uh, but uh, I would basically just kind of was preparing because we didn't really have much COVID up in Northern Ontario. So I have to admit, in the beginning, it was kind of nice because everybody was so scared. Nobody was going to the emergency departments and I was getting paid the same amount just to keep working, right? Yeah, exactly. I thought this is a great deal. Like I get paid to do nothing <laughs> pretty much while they're saying our hospitals are overwhelmed and you're going to catch COVID if you got there. Looking back, I mean, it's actually an awful thing. Um, and uh, that's what I started to notice really uh, heading into the fall of 2020. That's when I noticed that, oh, as much as this was kind of nice for a little while, I started to notice that things were not lining up. So the first thing I noticed was the harms that were happening from the shutdown of our healthcare system, from scaring people uh, from going into eMERGE. So um, while we have very little COVID in our communities, I was noticing people weren't getting their proper healthcare. So one person uh, who 
was being treated over the phone because everything switched over to telemedicine, uh, treated over the phone for severe back pain, put on opioids, so obviously it's something really painful, um, and was treated that way for so long until the pain was so bad they could no longer deal with it. And by the time they actually came in to see me in the emergency department with this severe back pain, all I had to do was look at her and see that it was a giant tumor uh, on her liver. And it was, I put a, an ultrasound on it, it was clearly metastatic cancer. And that was not the, the only time I saw that. I saw another, uh, like a, a man who was um, having belly pain for three to four, uh, three to four weeks, uh, sorry, sorry, three to four months. Uh, in his case, it wasn't that um, he wasn't offered care, but he was too afraid to come into the emergency department because the government was scaring us with the media, right? Saying it's too dangerous to come into to see a doctor. So uh, uh, when that happened, um, uh, so, sorry, uh, again, his pain became so bad and his belly became so swollen uh, that it, he, he had to come in and his belly was full of fluid and full of cancer. And that was like, it was patient after patient. I was seeing like one a week like that of people who, if they just had regular medical care, if they were able to see their doctor and get a physical exam, they could have been caught early and treated, but it was metastatic by the time they actually mm -hmm. came in. So that was that was one aspect of some of the harms I was seeing from lockdowns. And then uh, I was also seeing the mental health effects. Um, obviously, there were more suicidality, there's more depression and addictions. But what was most striking was seeing suicidal children. Uh, so when I saw those children, um, like some as young as eight years old, coming in with their parent because they want to kill, they want to kill themselves. And like that is not normal. That's very rare. Um, and so what I was looking at with these kids, and like I, again, I was seeing a cluster of them um, uh, at a very young age coming in with suicidality. What I noticed was they were primarily coming from families who were following the public health measures, right? So a lot of families, thank God, ignored those public health measures and still allowed their kids to have, have some friends, have play dates, to go out and do activities and things like that, which is all it really takes to keep kids healthy, you know, in a lot of ways, or at least keep them away from suicidality. But these kids were locked up because that's what public health was ordering these parents to do. They were locked up in their rooms for weeks on end with school closed and they had no friends. And so, of course, they're going to become suicidal. They have nothing to live for. Um, so I was saying this was directly caused by these lockdowns and nobody was saying anything. Here in Ontario, they're putting out advertisements on the on the the radio. They're putting them on TV that uh, Ontario's doctors are calling for harsher lockdowns to stop the spread of COVID. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, you did not ask me. You didn't send out a survey to ask any doctors what our opinions are on these lockdowns. And nobody's saying anything to criticize wow. them, um, even though they're devastating the health of the patients that I'm seeing. So that that was what was really uh, so who leading, were they? building who up. So who were they talking about, do you think, uh, Dr. Phillips? Like, they just... Who they just made it up like like the Ontario Medical Association they just got in a room together and like oh this is what we're going to say and like I wow. even posted on their Twitter accounts and everything like no you're not speaking for me like uh here's some problems with lockdowns we need to have a debate about this and they just ignored it same with the Ontario Hospital Association um they didn't they didn't ask doctors they didn't ask people on the ground what uh 
if there's any downsides to these uh, these lockdowns. Um, and so that's what really led to me making that decision to speak out because I didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. I didn't want to be somebody who just stood by silently when I'm seeing patients being harmed every day. And this was before even the vaccines. It gets even worse there. But uh, the lockdowns were horrendous uh, on the health of our communities. And um, it was devastating. So uh, I needed to say something. Uh, I was also noticing uh, some other things that weren't lining up. Uh, so I started to look into the science and there was so many studies going into the medical literature uh, over the course of 2020 because the whole, it's like they paused every other research project and basically put everything into COVID. And so there were studies like for very basic things that were showing that if people are able to lose weight or cut down their insulin resistance, through ketogenic diet or a basic weight loss of like just five, five to 10 pounds. What that does is it, it lowers your insulin levels and, and that uh, enhances your immunity because when your insulin levels are really high, your immune system is uh, suppressed as it is in diabetes. That's why they get infections in their feet and other things. Uh, their immune and they they tend to get worse COVID. They tend to get worse pneumonia and other other diseases because their insulin levels are too high. So there's really practical and easy things: weight loss, exercise, ketogenic diet, fasting, uh, that were actually shown to reduce uh, your risk of hospitalization and death from COVID. And public health was saying nothing about this. Um, there are other risk factors too that we that we could fix, like uh, like blood pressure. Uh, you can lower your blood pressure through exercise, uh, and even uh, if you don't want to exercise, you can take hot baths or or saunas, which mimics exercise and oh. been shown to one to reduce your blood pressure, and two, it's actually there's studies that show. I'm going to write that down, your, Dr. Phillips. Your, your I mean, that's a moment right yeah. there. Okay, everyone, did you yeah. hear that? Hot baths yeah. and what? Shower saunas. Can you know, mimic exercise. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. Well, you have to do it to the I'm point that, that it does mimic exercise. So right. it's not so much the relaxing ones. You need to push through in the heat that you feel it sweating and you feel your right. heart really beating, like, right? So as long as you don't have like, if you have heart disease or something like that, and you're getting chest pain, right. stop. And <laughs> right. It's kind of right. like, this is not like you shouldn't be shoveling it. Right. Yeah, if you're young, healthy, like then it's fine. And even if you're older, it's fine too. But if if you have heart disease already, check with your doctor before you do yes, anything that stresses yes. your heart. But, right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah, these were things, very basic things, easy things people can do at home that will reduce your risk of COVID. So why weren't they saying these things? Vitamin D is another one, right? Uh, it was just sticking out. It was becoming like just more and more obvious that there's all this research showing things that we can do, practical things uh, to improve people's outcomes from COVID. And they said nothing. All they wanted was lockdowns. And it became increasingly clear why. Um, and that came uh, in, into, the, into that year, into the year 2021, when the vaccine started to roll out. Um, I, I'm convinced now looking back, especially because they ignored those things, it was very clear that they the lockdowns had little to do with stopping the spread of COVID. They had everything to do with making people so miserable, so like their mental health so awful that their people would be begging for vaccines to get their lives back. That's what they mm. sold sold us, right? 
we've made you so miserable with lockdowns, but they convinced you it's from COVID. We, there was no need for lockdowns from COVID. Um, but people were so miserable that, that they're begging for a vaccine. They didn't care whether it was safe or effective or not. <laughs> I want my life back. That's what everybody was saying back in 2020, 2021. That's what it was about. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to see my family. I wanted to be able to go out and work, right? Those are basic rights that they took away and they convinced us that all we have to do is get this vaccine and your life is back. And it was a lie. It was a complete lie. Um, but anyway, that's what that was all about. Because when you looked at what the actual public health measures in the science, in the data, they ignored every single one of them. And it was wow. horrendous. They just said masks masks lockdowns are the only things that work and now the science clearly states that neither of those were true they were lies and we knew that from the beginning but this the science now is like the data is very clear uh that lockdowns did not stop the spread of covid and masks did not stop the spread of covid so it it uh it hindsight is always 2020 and we look back and we go wow and then then we start to see this whole uh, agenda coming in and, and follow the money and you're right the vaccines and then they want to force it on everyone and pretty soon you can't go to restaurants and unless you're getting vaccinated and and uh it, it was just a totally taking away our autonomy and then putting doctors in the position that you were in and I'm not sure why you as a doctor found that strength. And I just commend you for that courage because not everyone did what you did. Not everyone kept mm -hmm. writing back and saying, hey, I never said that. Uh, hey, this is not what I think. But you had that courage and, and you have paid a price for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shortly thereafter. I knew before I spoke out because I knew that I've heard I've heard of how nasty the colleges can be, uh, and the government when they crack down and, and you stand up against them. Doctors were we're not that special people. To be honest, we're not much smarter than than the rest of the world. Like we're very highly conformist. We do whatever we do it. We follow the leader, especially anything that's. But uh, in this COVID cult that they created, doctors were the high priests, right? People oh we're going to follow what the doctors say if you listen to what the politicians say oh we're i'm going to follow the uh, my medical advisors i'm going to always follow medical advice and public health um that's kind of what they make it seem like doctors have special knowledge that uh they tell us what's for us and why anybody can go look up at the studies and honestly so much of the public did uh look at the see they lined up uh, did not line up at all uh, with what public health was saying. So uh, what I knew my role could be and would be and needed to be was to validate people that they are lying to you. There's There are things that we can do that don't involve lockdowns and de depriving people of their fundamental rights. So that's what I did. I stepped up and spoke out publicly about these things. Uh, and it validated so much in that time. There were so few doctors. There were others, then there were others before me, like Dr. Kovinder Gill and uh, and others, who did speak up. Um, but what that did in in this that space, it created that uh, ability people to realize you're not crazy. That uh, you're right. These vaccines, safe lockdowns are harmful. Um, our mental rights are important for public for everybody.
um, and college very quickly within a few months initiated an investigation against and uh, started their process of taking away my license. Um, more to it there, but it obviously began with the, the freedom of speech issues. They said that I'm uh, promoting misinformation or, or uh, um, uh, promoting vaccine hesitancy. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I think everybody, anybody and everybody should be hesitant about these vaccines that are killing. Uh, I'm very proud that I uh, that I uh, promoted vaccine hesitancy, as everybody should be for a vaccine that was rolled out without being properly tested. And we now know uh, definitively that it's not safe, it's dangerous, um, uh, and uh, it's not even effective, it doesn't even work. It, it, it increases your chances of getting COVID multiple times uh, if you get these vaccines. Um, so, um, uh, so, yeah, the college initiated uh, an investigation. Doctors, one was a public health doctor, the other was a family doctor somewhere uh, who uh, uh, submitted complaints saying that I have dangers in the college to investigate. So that's how it began. Um, then uh, I had some other run-ins with the, the system as well after that, and that came with the vaccine rollout. Um, when the vaccine rollout came to unity in Englehart, um, I, I noticed uh, some very serious adverse events coming in through uh, the emergency department, uh, like having severe neurological injuries, uh, weak arm that would commonly prevent from even being able to work, uh, numbness in the face, uh, heart palpitations, uh, 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 severe rashes, uh, severely worsening dementia to the point that one woman could no longer walk or talk that came on and and deteriorated right after getting the vaccine. Um, uh, and they were serious. And I re so I reported them, as I'm required to by law, to the um, uh, public health officer. Uh, which is a problem in itself because these public health officers are there promoting lockdowns and forcing people to get vaccines and they're supposed to be the ones who investigate vaccine adverse events which is kind of insane that's wow. a major conflict of interest no kidding um, and so so i got a letter from my local public health officer after my first five adverse event reports saying none of these qualify i've rejected all of them be careful about uh what you're reporting um and I was kind of horrified by that. And so I sent him a letter back because he didn't say specifically which ones were, were rejected, uh, what the reason was um, specifically for each one, or if there's something I could do, like, did you need more information? Because I didn't have all the information that came into me. I was in the emergency department. People, I'm like, what was the lot number of your vaccine? And the patient's like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's one thing that they're, the public health officer's like, well, they didn't have all the information on them yet. Well, I just asked the patient and they, like, I don't have all that information, right? And I just asked the patient, what date did you get it? Uh, what was the lot number? Some people had it on their wallet and some didn't, but uh, that was kind of their excuse too, of like, oh, there was incomplete information uh, on some of these uh, reports. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, he did not respond to that uh, fax that I sent back to him. Uh, and so I decided to go public because I was concerned that in Canada, we're supposed to have a vaccine safety system that if a certain number of people start reporting adverse events, we're supposed to halt it and investigate. 
so that we don't harm anybody else. That's what a vaccine safety system is meant to be. But he was rejecting all of them and uh, and not sending them into the central database. So there's no alerts. There was not even the possibility of people being uh, able to get informed consent or to be protected if a certain number of people reported. Imagine we had a thousand or 10,000 people coming in with these same neurological effects like that that would be a reason right there to stop it and investigate because we don't want to be giving somebody something that could be harming them so uh, anyway uh, he took offense to that I, I did an interview on rebel news and and kind of explained what i'm explaining here and uh he decided to report me to uh the college um and uh he reported me for that and one other incident as well in that that uh, there was a, a baby uh, who came into the emergency department uh, so to the, the COVID clinic which is in the parking lot of the the hospital a uh, 10-month-old baby asymptomatic uh, father tested positive for COVID uh, the public health officer was forcing that mother to have that baby swabbed and so they brought the baby who's perfectly healthy perfectly fine didn't go to daycare or anything uh, to the hospital and the nurses were not comfortable swabbing that baby they're like so the emergency department said i'm like why are we swabbing this baby like i don't i'm not comfortable doing it because they're searching around for him to be able to do it and i'm like how about like nobody wants to do this how about i go out there and just see if it even needs to be done at all because often like that happens all the time in the emergency department if there's a, a procedure that uh somebody's not comfortable doing or you always reevaluate does it even need in the first place uh, and so baby was asymptomatic does not uh, go to daycare mean nothing so there's no benefit to the swab there's no treatment for a baby anyway even if they had COVID there's nothing out different you would do so I told that and that there are risks to swabbing a baby especially a nasopharyngeal swab going like that can cause damage like it's very rare but it can't when you're swabbing kids they can jerk the wrong way and it can cause some serious damage um, not to mention the trauma from uh, trying to swab these babies. Like, p kids get traumatized from needles. They can also get traumatized from swabs. So they're not a benign test. And so uh, I told another, I don't think I, you you need to have this swab. And that was the other thing that he complained about, that I interfered in his coercion of that mother to test her baby. Um, so he had to call her up and tell her that it's mandatory and you have to come and get that baby swabbed later. And they found somebody to do it but he reported me for that as well so so that's one of the things that that came up there but i just tried to offer my opinion try to protect a baby from a useless swab for you that harm. yeah wow anyway so they they have invested they've investigated all, all my events and um uh, along with some patients that i treated with ivermectin or tried to treat with ivermectin um uh, and they've charged between for misconduct for all of those okay. which is kind of insane reporting adverse events <laughs> i'm incompetent yes. for that they're calling that pro professional misconduct which i just think is is insane you should be able to report anything as an adverse event and then right. they can reject it from, but to charge you with professional misconduct for even thinking that there might be an adverse event from these vaccines and, and those poor patients just, that just got gaslit because not only that but the public health officer called up every one of those uh, patients with adverse events told them no you did not have an adverse event and booked them in for their next shot which in my mind is malpractice to the 
nth degree. Like, uh, if somebody has an adverse event or even the possibility of an adverse event from a, a medication, you would not give that to them again, especially when it's a permanent medication like a vaccine. Like, so it was at that point actually that I realized I was doing more harm than good by reporting these adverse events because I was putting them at risk of being gaslit by the public health officer and coerced or pressured into getting another shot. And so at that point, uh, I stopped reporting adverse events because I did see others. I saw a devastating a hemorrhagic stroke in a 54-year-old mother um, who uh, uh, was found by her daughter on the floor, uh, un unresponsive five days after her Pfizer vaccine. And uh, she came in uh, with like a blood pressure of uh, 240 over 180 uh, and bleeding into her brain. And so that's five days after a COVID shot with no other health conditions. I did not report that one because again, uh, it had been proven to me that uh, I would put her at risk of getting pressured <laughs> by public health into getting another shot. So at some point you have to protect the patients uh, by, not, by not reporting. Wow, how insane. sad. It is insane. Yeah. And how sad for our system that this is what it's forced. And then eventually yeah. you were just getting in trouble and and you had even further consequences. Yeah, so yeah, at uh, in September of 2021 is when uh, they restricted my license. Um, so they banned me from giving medical exemptions. Sorry, yeah, exemptions for vaccines. That was one thing that I was doing for people too, who were being forced into the vaccine. I was giving them notes to support their autonomy, to make their own choices. Um, uh, or for some people, if they had a medical condition, they had heart condition or something like that, then I said, I, based on their medical history, I don't recommend it. Um, uh, so I wrote those for patients, and so they banned me from writing those. They banned me from prescribing ivermectin, uh, atorvastatin, or fluvoxamine, which is even an approved treatment in 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 Ontario for for COVID. Um, and uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, shortly after that, I lost my job uh, in the emergency department. Um, uh, so I was kind of unemployed for a while, but then I realized, okay, well, I still have a license. Uh, I need to start up a practice, right, to be able to help people. Uh, most of those people, so I started up a practice, uh, family practice, um, in January of 2021. And uh, it was full mostly of people who either got the vaccine or were vaccine injured, or of uh, people who, who chose was not to get Was it 2022 you started it? Or 2021? 2021, January? Yeah, 2021. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, no, it's 2022. You're right. Yeah. Okay. It is? Yeah, okay. 2022. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, there. sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, and yeah, so that's when I uh, started my clinic. Um, but the college was demanding at that point that all of my patients, they need the names, um, medical complaints, uh, and dates of birth of every single patient who walked in my door. And at any time, any patient that they wanted, they could ask for their entire medical chart. And um, this is not based on a complaint or anything. They just wanted to monitor uh, whatever I was doing for them. So they're kind of breathing closely over my shoulder. But what was more concerning is that these patients had no choice over what happened to their medical chart. And most of my patients at the time 
uh, were people who are very aware, aware of the College of Physicians. They came to me because they're, they're, they felt harmed by people who were following the dictates of the College of Physicians. They were not okay with their files being handed over to the college to rummage through and to, and to find uh, problems with. Um, so um, so at, uh, at some point when they asked, actually asked for those files, I went to my patients and like I said, many of them said they were not okay with their files being handed over. I would be mortified if my personal medical files were handed over to the College of Physicians, people who are hostile to medical health and, uh, right. and medical freedom. And, and they can be used that for so many things, uh, lawsuits, uh, working against the doctors. Um, to be honest, they targeted mostly patients' charts of anybody who received an exemption. I honestly think on some level they wanted a list of all those patients. Um, and uh, they'd work to take away your medical care. So anyway, uh, I, I made a decision that I just couldn't live with myself, just handing over all, all these files against the will of those patients. When we have a constitution that says that uh, all people have the right to be free from unreasonable search and seizure. I said, if, if my patients agree, if they consent to me handing over your file, I'll hand it over in a minute because it's their file, it's their information. But they d demand uh, any patient's uh, files at any time for any reason, uh, which is insane in a free society. I can just ask for and, and keep uh, all your medical files at any time. So I said no, and that's when they suspended my license. Wow. And so basically, uh, we've had you on with Dr. Trozzi before, um, and a, a few of you are just, you're in the, a real battle now, and I think that mm -hmm. you're heading, is it back to court shortly? Yeah, our next uh, uh, court date is March 10th, uh, so we're having a, hear a motion hearing there. Um, in our last hearing, there was a, an amazing development on some sense. Uh, where they agree, we basically argued that what they're coming after us for, which is uh, the restriction on re medical exemptions, the restriction on prescribing ivermectin or other treatments for COVID, um, and restrictions on free speech of being able to criticize the government and public health uh, and their policies, uh, is not a law. We basically said this is not uh, this. This is against the Constitution. It's, uh, they didn't even make it into a policy or anything. They just put it out as tweets, tweets and statements. Uh, and we don't even know who wrote them. So they weren't passed by regulation as, as, as prescribed by law. In the Medicine Act, it states that uh, they have to get approval by the Minister of Health and the Ontario Cabinet, the Governor and Council, in order to approve any regulation that has the force and effect of law. So they didn't do that. and amazingly in the last one they agreed they said these are not uh, these are not regulations these have no force or effect of law we agree with you but we're still coming after you uh so basically they've said yeah all those restrictions mean nothing but they reserve the right to charge anybody with unprofessional conduct for any reason at any time so uh so that's why they said Although we're not coming after you for violating these suggestions, we can come after you for whatever we want anyway. So maybe we're coming after you for these suggestions or maybe not, but it doesn't matter because we have unlimited power to charge you with professional misconduct. And, uh, and that's why they get away with putting out a tweet. And even though it has no force or effect, they can just cut, 
as long as they call it unprofessionalism, they uh, can make any law or any regulation they want because every doctor knows they can charge you for whatever. Um, so that's why they don't even bother passing policies anymore because if they put out a decree, they know they can take away your license. If they just look hard enough, if they uh, uh, prosecute you for whatever, um, they're able to do that. And so that's why they got lazy and they just, instead of passing policies, we're like, we don't even really need to. Let's just put out some tweets. Uh, and we know doctors know that this has the uh, the force and effect of law, even though it technically doesn't. It's, it's so backwards. It's a Kafkaesque world. But basically, they're claiming they have unlimited power to take right. away doctor's license for whatever the reason. So that's why they, they don't need regulations at all. Uh, they can... Uh, they can do whatever they want. Whatever they want. So anyway, we, on, we on have March the CPSO 10th, document, though. I wanted to run this by yeah. you um, over on the side here. So uh, it basically says, generally speaking. Um, okay, hang on. Yeah, I think of the second one there. The next one. The next one, yeah. That one, yeah. yeah so it, so here, yeah. So at this point, the physicians and the college find common cause. The college agrees that the statements are properly characterized as guidance documents, not binding rules. So, so that's that's basically it, right? They agree that these these are, have no force or effect, but but they're if, still going to make your life miserable. Yeah, no. Or try. And as long as they call it unprofessional, if we've if they call it disgraceful, unprofessional, or Oh, your video. I'm not sure. Oh, and you've you've frozen. Hang on. Having a problem with your internet here. Um. Yeah, if you can keep talking, we seem to we've got you frozen. I think so. Uh, we may have lost him. We'll see if he comes back on. Um. The next. No. Oh, too bad. Yeah. See if he see if we can get him back on. Yeah. Oh, it just kind of lost. Well, we sure do love you, uh, Patrick Phillips, and we thank you very much. Oh, it's red. Should he uh, log out? Log out and log back in, and we'll see if we can get you. And we'll just go to a video of um, basically Glenn Beck talks with President Trump on the phone about Ukraine and the Russian war. This is interesting. Should we be sending more money, more arms? Now they're talking yeah. about planes. Should we be doing this? Well, we're going to end up in World War Three. That's one thing that's going to happen. And I've been sort of saying that for a long time now. The saddest part about the war is that this is a war that should have never happened. Correct. Okay, so now it happened. Uh, now you have to get people in the room. You have to knock heads and you have to get it done. So, and that would mean that would mean saying things to Putin and saying things to Zelensky that they're not going to want to hear, and right. getting them into a room and getting it done. People are dying by the thousands. You know. Glenn, when I see the reports that they knock down a city, you know, these cities are being leveled. There's not a yeah. building standing in a lot of these cities. I've seen pictures that maybe other people don't get to see. Maybe they do. But or take a look at the newspaper when they have a topographical picture of a city. Right. There is one building standing. It's incredible. And then they say uh, one person died and three people were injured. No, no. Many people died. Right. 
Many people were badly injured, and we're not getting the true facts about what's happening in so, this war. Wow. So things are heating up, and uh, the thing is, is Mr. Trump is right. And anyone who has discernment is paying attention to that. And so we're all kind of watching, and let's just pray for peace in the country. You know, like, like every uh, contestant of the uh, Miss World pageant says, let's pray for world peace. Well, this is a good time for that. Did we get uh, Patrick Phillips back? Okay, Dr. Phillips, thank you very much. Um, yeah, sorry, you just suddenly, uh, we couldn't hear you, and then you froze. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah my internet's not the greatest. It might be my computer, actually. I'm still trying to figure that out. But Yeah, that's okay. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> so, so, well, I don't know if we finished kind of covering that topic, but um, we did want to move on to something else. But have you, have you said everything you want to say about that? I know the battle's coming up, and you're, you're going to be fighting hard. Or did you, and you told us yeah. the positive thing that kind of came out. Yeah, just that they admitted that uh, their regulations on COVID-related issues were just guidance issues. So we're going to challenge that again on March 10th. Right. Hopefully get the, all their investigations excluded. Yeah, that's our Unbelievable hope. what they've done. Do they think we're stupid? That's what I want to know. Like we are all watching the data coming in worldwide. Um, excess deaths worldwide. The, the, the vaccine has proven to be a complete and utter failure. It's not even a vaccine by, you know, definition. And it doesn't stop transmission. You know, it's, it's not preventing the deaths. We're seeing a lot of deaths now uh, in the hospitals um, after being fully vaccinated. And the people just dropping dead. Um, you were ahead of the curve. And I think more and more data is going to come out that this is, um, this was a very bad thing that Canada and the world did to human beings. And you yeah. were right. You did the right thing. So please keep standing, and we will be uh, praying and hoping that you, Dr. Trozzi, and the others that have been in trouble will be completely vindicated. Oh, I think it was Dr. Millard. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, she, Dr. Millard was on with um, Dr. Bridal, right? It's a whole bunch of you are just heroes. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. Um, as a doctor, you might have some special understanding too of what we're seeing um and and you sort of have um uh, a personal kind of tie into this but we have a video uh regarding what is happening now with the whole medical establishment beginning to take a back seat to what's going on with transgendering minors in particular mm -hmm. and i'll play this video and then we'll talk about a couple cases just for some definitions, gender identity is the internal feeling of being a boy or a girl or some variation. Gender dysphoria is the discomfort that results from having a perceived gender that mismatched with the person's body leads to significant distress and impairment lasting at least six months. Majority of these children, depending on what study you look at, but still the majority will grow out of this by adulthood, some 50 to 98%, depends where you're looking. So anytime we undergo a, any sort of treatment for a condition, we want to have a definite diagnosis. So if I want to treat diabetes, I want to make sure someone has a really high blood sugar. We're going to treat cancer. We want a biopsy to prove that there's a cancer there to treat. How can we prove the gender identity? Can you find it on a scan like a CT scan or a brain biopsy or genetic testing? The answer is none of the above. There is no definite physical evidence of a gender identity. And therefore, many kids will grow out of this and will be harmed if they undergo the treatments I'll describe. 
a bit of basic biology. There's only two human sexes. You can verify this by thinking of your own fertilized ovum. When you developed, there was a, a male sperm and a female egg that led to development. This proceeds on in embryology, where males and females initially have similar tubules, but then there's a divergence, a split, with the males developing male-specific organs on one side and the females on the other. This happens very early in embryology, and the bridge cannot be crossed thereafter. There's four stages to gender affirmative therapy, social transition or wearing clothes, a stereotypical of the opposite sex or adopting mannerisms, perhaps. Puberty blockers, which Dr. Biggs described very well, cross-sex hormones or opposite-sex hormones and surgical modifications. Just to have a look at one good long-term study of Sweden, they looked at 30 years of data for 324 individuals who had hormones and completed surgery for transition. And over time, you can see here it's a year zero to 30 years. Survival rates dropped dramatically after 10 years for those who had transitioned. They also found that they had three times the rate of all-cause mortality and three times the rate of inpatient psychiatric care and 19 times the rate of completed suicide compared to the population of Sweden. Wow. So I, I'd like to let everyone know that that was uh, endocrinologist Dr. Michael Laidlaw, and he testified before the Florida House Health and Human Service Committee uh, Services Committee on the subject of the medical consequences of hormonal and surgical intervention in kids with gender dysphoria. And we're beginning to see, we have uh, somebody in Canada that is um, now suing, and I think as well, someone in California. And uh, this is beginning mm -hmm. to have some serious consequences, and the backlash is coming now about sort of yeah. this um, tendency to think that we're just going to transition minors. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a very concerning development that's happening uh, in Canada for kids. Um, we've created, uh, in my mind, a monster of a system that is pushing children into this um, ideology that our gender is um, basically whatever we want it to be. Uh, they pick kids, unfortunately, they're introducing this at such young ages now uh, that they pick kids when they're, they're in an extremely vulnerable age, like often five to six now. Um, in that stage, in that crucial stage, right, kids believe they can be an elephant, right, or they can be a butterfly. Like it's, it's very normal, actually, has nothing to do with your gender identity if one day a boy says he's a girl or a girl says he's a boy, and, and those things can just happen. Um, and often if you just leave them alone, it will go away. There are some kids where something like that will persist and it, it, that is kind of what this gender dysphoria is, but we've created a bit of a trap, um, now with pushing kids into this pathway and the pathway has devastating consequences for those children as they grow older and, uh, as, and as adults, because the issue is that as opposed to like, uh, um, to uh, other things like whether they're gay or, or not, there's no real permanent changes that are going to happen. With this transgender movement, if a children gets pushed onto the trans path, they often, it's very difficult to get off that train. And the reason is because it's now actually a crime. 
a crime in Canada for anybody, including a parent, a teacher, uh, or any other person to even suggest to a child who thinks they might be trans that maybe you're not. If you even push them in any way to question that, it's a crime passed by unanimously through uh, our, our, uh, our parliament uh, with unanimous consent from the conservatives and the liberals. Every party uh, voted for this law to, to push these children uh, along this path. It's illegal for you to even get, for, get help. It was passed under a conversion therapy uh, ban, but uh, the language of it is extremely broad and you're not allowed to question it unless you're, you are allowed to push a child into a trans identity. It's illegal and a crime punishable for up to five years for you to encourage a child in any way to question uh, uh, moving from a trans identity back to their, their body that they were born into. Uh, and so if and that's illegal, is, yeah, that's going to make yeah. it hard for them to get help. And then there's going to be a lot more of these lawsuits because the kids, yeah. you know, as this Ontario detransitioner gets to the place where they've had Nobody questioned, oh, yeah, we'll just proceed. We'll get your womb out of there. We'll remove your breasts. Yep. And what do you know, a few years later, uh, this this person who was once sort of looking more like a guy is now this beautiful woman that she was intended to be. And she's mm -hmm. suing. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's a really fortunate thing that's happening um, is these lawsuits uh, because it's it's not just about them getting compensation or whatever. That compensation will never make up for the damage that's really happened. Oh, right. uh, really, it's going to have to be acceptance and self-forgiveness. And, you know, like it's a spiritual process to really come to terms with everything. Yes. But but these lawsuits, I think, are very important because not so much for the money that these people will get, but it's going to once they realize that those doctors and those health systems can lose everything if they don't encourage that pa that patient to question this are you sure this is what you want and I, in fact when we're talking about children it's not even about that because a child cannot consent to the loss of their genitals when they're a child they don't even know what they're for they don't like it, it doesn't even cross the mind of a child about having their own children about breastfeeding about having sex like as an adult right like that's that's it's not even part of a normal uh child psychology so they can't inherently can't consent even if they say oh yeah like do you consent to the possibility that you'll you'll never have uh, an orgasm or you'll never uh have your own child like you can't consent like even if they said yes that's not valid consent because we all know that that means nothing until you at least reach like your later teens to adulthood right uh because you don't even know what any of those mean <laughs> like most people don't even consider having kids until they're in their 20s even. Yeah, so, you're 100% right. Um, so, and so they get they get to make these big decisions. And yeah. they, this can't they, be a shock yeah. that they're going to start having to to buck up and and be sued for this because they did not consider yeah. the age. Like this is not okay. Yeah. So like we're seeing some actual amazing developments happening in the states. I think six states so far have Oh, we lost you. Six states so far, I think, are beginning to... Yeah, Tennessee, we talked about yesterday. I know Florida is all over that. So this uh, this young woman basically um, has... She is suing 
uh, eight health professionals, including doctors, psychologists, psychotherapists, and a counselor in a lawsuit filed in Ottawa. Fascinating. Um, Michelle's stated desire to become transgender was never challenged, and it was treated to the exclusion of her other serious mental health issues, closing the door to alternative treatments and options. Her statement of claim says, the claim says the defendants permitted Michelle to self-diagnose as transgender and prescribe her own treatment without providing a differential diagnosis or proposing alternative treatments. And, uh, you know... Right. If if she can, yeah, if she can provide and say what, what kind of treatments she wants, why couldn't we do that with COVID? You know, we couldn't provide our own, oh, well, I want this treatment. Oh, no, no. You know, ivermectin's illegal. You know, uh, hydroxychloroquine. I mean, these things have been around for decades. They're safe. And yet it's totally fine if a young person who's having gender dysphoria, which is, you know, a very difficult thing if, if, um, if they're dealing with that. And then they certainly are not of the mind position experience or age where they should be making permanent decisions, uh, you know, when they're experiencing this. So look at this. None of the defendants who work or worked at various clinics and institutions in Southern Ontario responded to requests for comment. Of course they wouldn't. Uh, four of the defendants have filed notices of intent to defend against the suit in Ontario Superior your court. Um, none of the claims have been tested in court. Uh, Zachinga Shingna says she faces an uphill battle in her lawsuit. Yes, she does because the whole world is woke. Uh, she might go now, Hey, you shouldn't have done that. You should have given me other options. You should have told me that I'd never be able to have normal sex. You should have told me I'd never be able to have kids. You should have made me understand. How would she possibly be able to understand, you know, that at, at such a young age? We don't know nothing until we're 40. I'm convinced of that. So I've been under the impression, um, she says, that all medical malpractice suits are challenging. Doctors win the majority of cases in Canada. It's very much a David versus Goliath undertaking. Well, I support this woman 100%. I support more people. If you're unhappy with your what has happened to you, you need to sue the doctors, sue the teachers that told you that you were gender, that you could change your gender. They lied to you. Sue the teachers, sue the principals, sue your doctors, sue your social counselors, and uh, hopefully you don't have to sue your parents. Hopefully your parents were trying to talk you out of it, but you know what? Now parents are in trouble, and basically they're putting, they've said in this, you know, um, this bill that if you are even attempting to give some sort of alternative to a child who feels like they are trans, if you do that, you're in danger as a psychologist or clinical person, you're in danger of losing your, um, your license and you could be charged a huge monetary fee. You could lose your practice. That's it. Game over. Oh yeah. You told a kid this wasn't a good idea, right? Do parents of kids that are showing gender dysphoria. And of course, it's a big fad too. So that's why this uh, transgender doctor who does these operations came out not too long ago. We featured it on this show and said, this is not good. The outcomes are not good. Nothing, nothing is coming to fruition for these uh, kids the way that we thought it would. And too many, too many of these cases are going. Now it's like an epidemic. Every school's got, you know, uh, somebody was just telling me that they've got like, you know, 70% of the class now is saying that they are basically LGBTQ, 
you know, it used to be it's 3% of the population, but the indoctrination's been working real well. Many, many years telling you all about uh, all of these, you know, alternative lifestyles. Many years talking about, you know, how you could be transgender and maybe you're a boy inside a girl's body. And all of a sudden, you know, this is what we have, an epidemic of kids that have basically been, they've had, they've been coerced and propagandized. So there's also another person, and this is the California case. I'll see if I can put that up, JT. Um, so a new case in, that's, yeah, not it quite yet. Okay, let's see. Groundbreaking. So this is in California. Um, an 18-year-old is going to sue over grossly negligent transgender treatment. An 18-year-old California girl is taking on one of the nation's largest medical groups. Chloe Cole alleges that uh, Kaiser Permanente coerced her into transgender medical treatment that she says was grossly negligent and resulted in permanent mutilation and damage to her body. And of course, I'm sharing from Dr. Paul Alexander's Substack. I cannot make uh, the... Um, page work, but cbn.com in the States uh, is reporting on this. Cole, who was who has since detransitioned, is planning to sue Kaiser, alleging that doctors and staff convinced her and her parents that she should undergo treatments by saying that medical transition was the only way to resolve her gender dysphoria and address her high risk of suicide. In 2017, Cole says a Kaiser doctor prescribed a puberty blocker for her. In addition to testosterone treatment, doctors recommended surgery and removed Cole's breasts in a 2020 double mastectomy. I wonder this. I wonder how much money did they get for that operation? What was the kickback for doing something so insane to a young woman who is confused? A year later, Cole told her doctor she regretted it. And so, of course, she did. Because once you find out your, your life is just, you know, it's irretrievably changed. And this is happening all over the place. And guess what? These young kids get rejected right, from the, this community. And Dr. Uh, Patrick Phillips, uh, we, I'm not sure that we can get him back, eh? Uh, so, but Dr. Patrick Phillips actually said something interesting. He said to me, it's not a community all out there. It's just individuals who have a lifestyle. They've become gay or lesbian or whatever. And often they're not even a part of this thing that we're, you know, calling all this LGBTQ movement. That's a whole bunch of activists. And these activists, they are thrilled if they can remove the, you know, the heterosexual norms of society. And they, they want to, you know, propagandize kids into this. And it ends up being a really, really terrible thing. And then they're rejected by that very group that told them that they should be able to do this. And furthermore, <coughs> excuse me. And furthermore, um, what happens is that the government says, no problem, we're going to pay for your um, operation to change yourself and, and uh, irretrievably mar your body, but we're not definitely not going to pay for you to change your mind and, you know, and go back, right? They'll, they'll do the initial operation, but then they're not going to do anything else. And so that's why doctors are quitting, the Tavistock Clinic was shut down, and all of that happened. All right. Um, do we want to uh, basically, we did have one more 
we have a video on the CPC caucus reaction. So let's take a look at this video after all the nonsense. <laughs> Wow. So was that kind of a funny? <laughs> okay. I was figuring it out. So I just heard from one of our uh, producers here, uh, Sh Shane, that uh, Christine Anderson has actually, um, she's responded. So True North caught up with European politician Christine Anderson to ask her about the controversy surrounding her recent meeting with several conservative MPs and a conservative leader. Pierre Polyev's denouncement of that meeting. Uh, so conservative leader Pierre Polyev said that your views are vile and have no place in our politics uh, and said that the MPs that you met were not aware of your views and finished a statement by saying, frankly, it would be better if Anderson never visited Canada in the first place. She and her racist view Racist, hateful views are not welcomed here. Uh, what is your response to Mr. Polyev's statement? Well, I feel very sorry that Mr. Polyev feels this way. Uh, all I can say, I had a lovely, uh, lovely time uh, meeting with uh, the members of his party. And um, at no point uh, do I see where I expressed hateful and racist views, as he puts it. Um, so, like I said, uh, I feel very sorry that he feels that way. Um, but no one gets to define me and not even Mr. Polivier. You do not get to, to uh, define me. I know what I stand for. I know what I fight for. And uh, I know that I will never cater to any dem uh, uh, democratic leader or any uh, uh, elected government that does not act in the best interest of the people. Yes, here, here. That is Christine Anderson. I don't believe she said anything racist. Uh, even if she has said that she's concerned about the Islamification of, of Germany, she's concerned that some things are going on that is not part of a culture that they want there. And that's a fair statement. It's not that people who come in who are law-abiding citizens and want to, you know, contribute to the country, no violence, and they will absolutely speak out against it. That would be good. That would be good for any group. Like, for instance, as a Christian, I completely denounce anything that someone would do to try to be violent against another person. I completely denounce that. I say, you think you're a Christian and you're speaking on behalf of Christians. You're a liar and a fraud and a deceiver, and I want nothing to do with you. But if we do not speak out, then we become culpable in what's happening. And I believe that Christine Anderson has talked about the rapes that are happening every single day in her country. And I believe she has a right to talk about that. And I will close this topic off by saying to Pierre Polyev, it kind of looks like you haven't done your homework and it kind of looks like you don't care about what happens to women. And it looks like you're agenda-driven, and it looks like you're bought by somebody or some group where you're afraid to stand up. And on this day, 
you look just like Justin Trudeau in the mirror. Terrible. Okay. So, um, John Little um, writes, so yesterday we kind of did a video, video about Dr. John Little being thrown out of uh, a meeting because he's mentioning um, ivermectin, right? So this is a follow-up? Yes, so take a look. There's doctors on staff at this hospital who will not speak their mind because for fear of retribution, for fear of losing their job. And what I wanted to tell her as a doctor who's taken care of other physicians with COVID for the last three years, other physicians, cardiologists, pathologists, obstetricians, pediatricians calling me for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Other physicians, cardiologists, pathologists, obstetricians, pediatricians calling me for ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but they wouldn't ever let anyone know. This is what's happened. The hospitalists, even in this hospital, do not want people to know where they stand because they, have, they are fearful of eventually being kicked out of either the hospital or their own groups. Exactly right. And that's why we love Dr. Patrick Phillips. He wasn't afraid. Dr. Trozzi, uh, Dr. Paul Alexander. These are men who have fought. Dr. William Mackis, a hero in this country, fighting against all of this silencing of doctors talking about the truth. Who are you going to believe? Someone paid to lie? Or someone losing everything to tell the truth? Who are you going to believe? Where does the weight of the truth seem to fall? How many people want to lose their careers as doctors to talk about lies and, and to not have a very good reason to be speaking up? I choose to listen to those screaming from the hilltop saying something's very, very wrong. And it, it is very, very wrong in our country. And Dr. Teresa Tam and Dr. Bonnie Henry, Dr. Dina Henshaw are culpable in crimes against humanity. And the evidence is all there. And if you even you know, were asked to be in a debate with, with doctors that have a difference of opinion, you wouldn't do it because you're bought, paid for, you're sitting on your cushy jobs, you've lied to the people, you've cost thousands of lives in this country. And that's where you seem comfortable. Shame on you. Um, so Tucker Carlson, Ed Dowd's book is called uh, Cases Unknown, and actually our guest yesterday mentioned it. And this is a little clip from that interview. Take a look. What's causing excess deaths? All over the Western deaths? world, we are seeing very large, measurable increases in unexplained deaths. The BBC in Great Britain, for example, just reported that, quote, excess deaths in 2022 are among the worst in 50 years. So why is this happening? Well, Ed Dowd is not an epidemiologist. He's a numbers guy. He spent a long career on Wall Street, but he noticed this and wanted to get to the bottom of it. So he called insurance companies and mortuaries. Then he wrote a book about it called Cases Unknown, the epidemic of sudden deaths in 2021 and 2022, because when people die, it matters. We talked to him for an hour on a brand new episode of Tucker Carlson today. Here's part of it. I would say, well, the only thing that changed using common sense and deductive reasoning is a mass vaccination campaign and mandates. That was where, that's where I would start to explain that it's been detrimental to your health to be employed in 21 and 22, because clearly the numbers showed excess deaths have been higher for the employed and disabilities are higher for the employed. So if it's not the vaccines, what is it? At the very least, it's a national security issue. When this COVID thing happened, there were a lot of beneficiaries from it. Uh, central banks got off the hook uh, from what was what I saw as a global slowdown. So they were able to print un unprecedented, yes. pr unprecedented amounts of money to cover up 
what we're going to have eventually is a glo global sovereign debt default that's coming. Um, so they got off the hook. You had uh, the tech companies excited looking at their chops for the new surveillance economy. They knew that was coming. So they joyfully entered into a uh, partnership with the government to censor any dissent. And they were going to be excited about those future cash flows or surveillance. Then you had the pharma companies who were going to be able to make money off of what they saw uh, were unlimited vaccine quarterly injections. That was the plan at the time, quarterly boosters ad infinitum under the color of law. And then you had the media companies who were getting uh, cash flows from uh, pharmaceutical companies and also the government. We, we found out the government paid media companies to um, promote the vaccine. So I, I, I don't view it as a bunch of people sitting in a room smoking cigars, laughing maniacally. I just view it as momentum built and there was a, a conspiracy of interests. A conspiracy of interests. Absolutely. What an incredible man. Um, he's, he's outing, uh, cause unknown. It's, is, that's the name of the, the book that Ed Dowd has put out cause unknown and, uh, Patrick Phillips will just bring you back in. Thank you very much. I know it's getting dark there in Ontario and you've had some internet problems, but, um, once again, uh, while you were gone, we, we, uh, did a clip on the doctor that is talking about, um, ivermectin gets thrown out and he's talking about how everyone's in trouble. If they don't, if they're mm -hmm. speaking the truth, you get marched out of meetings and you're, you know, threats of losing your job. And this is basically what we've come to. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy too, because especially as, as all the, the information has come out about the vaccine being effective, about them being dangerous, about ivermectin being effective. It's interesting to see that the backlash has not gone down it's actually gone up so we're seeing that they're taking away my license mark trozzi so many other doctors actually here in ontario mary o'connor um uh, many others um uh so what the, it's revealing is that this is not about COVID. this is not about a disease right this is not about um this overblown cold this is about power and so what they're doing is they're removing people from uh, positions of influence of power, like doctors like or others, um, who question authority, who think helps, who won't just shut up and, and go along with things. That's the ones that they're trying to kick out and get out uh, so that they can amass their power uh, for their next plans. Um, and power is an addictive thing. Uh, you don't like people questioning your power. You don't like people questioning you open and openly uh, because then people start to doubt your power. And so that's why freedom of speech is so powerful uh, because it actually, if you can speak freely, you're going to start to lose public support and then you're going to lose your power. So, so they, this, it's becoming more and more clear that the machine, the political machine, the government, the colleges, and other things um, uh, are only interested in their own power. So, so they're they're not backing down. Uh, it seems like they are because they let off on mandates and things like that. But behind the scenes, mm. they're passing even more authoritarian laws. They're uh, coming after anybody who questions them, uh, and they're getting ready to censor the internet. So it seems like they let off a little bit, but really they've just been. Uh, 
in lockstep in yes and yeah removing power behind the scenes yeah yes exactly right well i just want to thank you for your time today and thanks for coming back on thank you for uh sharing all that you have and helping us to understand the world medically and also for weighing in on this issue of transgenderism and what's happening we kind of went through both of those stories and read them Mm -hmm. out uh thank you so much for being willing to be courageous and speak out on uh, such matters. Uh, I hope that you'll come on the show again and yeah, we've got sure. lots more days to keep following this. Cause I think it's going to get interesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We're on in for a wild ride. Thank you for everything you're doing too and exposing the truth and, and standing up for what's right. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Phillips. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Um, I appreciate him so much. He's one of the the good dudes. Um, oh, I was we were going to show you. So we've got a Pantene shampoo company who is now using transgenders in commercials, and um, you know if there is such a thing, right? Like there there really isn't such a thing. It's kind of like there isn't this, but we keep saying this, and now the dogma is you know going to put it all out. Yeah. Just kind of talk over it. To let people present themselves authentically creates a much more beautiful world. Hmm. Right. Because that's usual. Okay. You know, women and men can do that. They can get too much of that stuff in there. So I'm I'm not going to do that. Um, so we're just conditioning the world that this is normal and it, it's like, la, la, la science doesn't matter anymore. Does it, you know, we're just following, we're following the, the wind of science or what did that lady say? Um, at one point we're just the, the following the speed, speed of science. Right. And to them, it changes like it, it is, it isn't even science. So they're not paying any attention to that. Uh, man, you know, men can be women, women can be men, and you can go in their sporting events and and be so proud because as a guy, you just beat six women in a swimming meet. <laughs> what a joke. Like, why are you proud of that? You're a guy with way more muscles. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And all these parents and teachers not standing up against this nonsense, complete and utter bunk. It's ridiculous. Um, We have a couple more things. A minister, wolf in sheep's clothing, progressive minister, babbles on about something straight from the Funny Farms Book of Lies. Take a look. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white, God is Middle Eastern, God is Asian, God is differently abled mentally and physically, God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God, because you are a reflection of God's divine image. (laughs) No, you do not want God to be me. Oh, that would be quite the world. You know, a lot of coffee drinking. 
and uh, cremo everywhere for everyone at all times, served with honey. I like honey in my coffee. I found out that, um, I'll get back to this guy in a minute, but I was just reading an article about honey. If you have diabetes, um, so honey has actually had properties that show that it reduces your sugar and raises your insulin or something like that. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Get into honey. And I got a whole bunch of honey when we were traveling across the country from somebody this last summer. So I brought it all home. It was really heavy in my suitcase, all these little jars. And now I'm just going through them. I love it. It was worth, it was worth uh, having to lift that bag. So here's uh, this wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, these, what? I know I'm talking about it now. Wow. There's a lot of control happening from the right side of the studio here. No, I'm not done. I said I'd come back to it. So is it okay with you if I talk about it a little bit more? I'm going to circle back like Jen Pisaki. <laughs> he says, circle back, Jen. Okay, so this guy, this dude, you know who defines God? God. God defines God. Who is he? He's all-powerful, omnipotent, omniscient. He's Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. He is not me and you. He is not transgender. We are made in his likeness. And when he made man and woman, he said that he made us in his likeness. And he did not create, uh, you know, half and halves of anything. Full-blown man and woman. And when he had done that, he says, it is good. He is not defined by this man. He is not defined by any of the other activists in the world. And we often, we, we could never even begin to define him even knowing what we know. He is unknowable. And yet, so very caring and so very kind and so very giving that he would sacrifice his son so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins. He is amazing. And, and yes, he, his, his love is unstoppable, absolutely. But he, he's not gay, lesbian, and transgender. He's nothing that is human. He's none of the ideologies we try to put on him. Absolutely insane. These people, I don't know, Church of the Woke, I guess, whatever, fly your flag. At least they're open about it. You know, if someone's pretending to be something that they're not, that's a problem. This guy's straight up about it, so I don't like it. Um, huge explosion reported at crude oil storage facility in Veracruz, Mexico. So when was this one, JT? Today. Something going on, everybody? All these train derailments, um, all kinds of crazy food uh, warehouses blowing up. Something's up, isn't it? So this is a crude oil storage. And I found out that uh, like this waterway that um, Palestine, Ohio, East Palestine, Ohio, is near like it can affect a lot of places. I mean, I don't know that we know the damage that's been done. Absolutely pure insanity. So I'm Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson. I'm very grateful to you that um, you tune in every single day. I appreciate you. I'm very thankful for the kindness, the love, uh, the emails of encouragement uh, that you follow. Some of you uh, say that you watch every single day. I wonder. 
just to fast forward, because I'm on here like today, a long time. But boy, does that ever mean a lot to me. I travel here and there and people throw their arms around me and give me a hug and often with tears in their eyes, just thank us for what we do. We do this because it's a calling. Um, if you would consider helping or supporting us, you can go to my website. It's laurelin.tv. There's a donation button there. means a lot so that we can keep the lights on and do what we do. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Um, and you're not going to see this on any other network. You're not going to see this kind of information, this kind of honest talk. You're just going to see a whole bunch of woke, babble, you know, blah, blah, blah people trying to give you the news from their perspective. And we're trying to tell you the truth here. And it's costly, if I might say it is costly. And we pay a price for doing that, but it's worth it. And we believe that God will honor when we speak the truth. So you can email us also at laurelinlive at protonmail.com. And uh, if you love this, if, if you like watching, how about, you know, 20 bucks? How about being, being a uh, monthly sponsor? That'd be cool. 20, 50, 100 bucks if you have it. Could you help us out? Um, send a one-time donation. You can even donate anonymously. And of course, if you send it by email, I'm going to know who you are, and then I'm going to be able to give you a thank you, which is uh, super cool. Um, we are, yes, Zelenko, yes. So we are going to be offering you, one of the things that we've heard over and over and over is about um, vaccine injuries and also wanting to be very healthy for whatever next problem that we're going to have to put forward. And many of you remember Dr. Zev Zelenko. I started using his videos early on because this was the guy that knew that hydroxychloroquine was helping and he saved thousands and thousands of lives in New York City. And he was ahead of the game. So he has some protocols here. If you go to zstacklife.com backslash Laura Lynn, promo code Laura Lynn. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? Wow. So, so many of you are saying, I think I've got a problem and I want to give something to my, my family who's dealing with the spike proteins and all of that. Guess what? Here it is. Go check it out. Zstacklife.com backslash Laura Lynn and uh, promo code Laura Lynn. If you order anything, that'll, that'll be nice. Um, help us with the war chest. That'd be great. But more than anything, help your friends and loved ones to get help because now we want to make sure that our families are healthy. Some of them took the vax. Uh, some of our friends did. This is a way that you can offer them something that's helping there, okay? Also, um, if you're interested in silver and gold, Steve Merrill is who we trust, and he is at Sovereignize at ProtonMail.com, Sovereignize at ProtonMail.com. Faith in action. I want to read to you about a few people who paid the price. A few people like you and me, back in the day, that did what was right before God. Some of them paid with their lives. Some of them simply got great accolades by their names being put into the good book, the Holy Bible, Hebrews 11. It talks about the men and women of faith who fought the good fight. I don't know if it's really about fighting against all the globalists. It sure is about fighting the good fight, staying on track with your spiritual walk with God, 
making sure that you have a short list between you and God, that you repent often and feel his love often. He is so good, so willing to forgive us when we make mistakes and so willing to give us courage for our destiny. When God formed you, he had a plan. Are you walking in that plan or your plan? I think we all probably miss it a little bit, but we can make steps and we can make decisions that bring, bring us into his plan. What is his plan for you today? What is the destiny that God formed you in your mother's womb to walk in? Because when you get into that, that groove, and it is kind of a groove, you know, we go this way and that way and all of a sudden we go clunk. This is it. I'm in exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then God moves us and sometimes it changes and it, it evolves into something else. But if we're in with God, we're in the groove, it's a good place. So in Hebrews 11, it's, it says faith in action. And here's what it says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. It, it wasn't just like, you know, just an accident. No, no, this is too good to be an accident. How does an accident form an eyeball? How does an accident make a, a being that, that has hands and zebras and elephants? It's not an accident. The universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was invisible. By faith, Abel, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, by faith, Abel still speaks, even though actually Abel became the first murder, murder victim from his own brother. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. I want that one. You know what I mean? Like one day, I just want to be so faithful. I'll be like Enoch. I'll be walking along and poof, I'm gone because God's just like, you are so fun. You know, you're so cool. I'm just taking you up. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen, but I'll take it any way it comes. I'm with the Lord so that he did not experienced death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Having faith to God, that, that is like A number one, you have passed the grade. Faith pleases God. You believe he exists. You give him your life. You live your destiny. You enjoy the massive experience of his abundance. It's amazing. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday. Bye-bye. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. 
I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me. Thank <laughs> you.